starting on page 668. Pleasures are meaningless. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all the wires of water groves, sorry, all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water groves, of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves, and they had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head, while a fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. But then I thought my, in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain from being wise? I said in my heart, this, this too is meaningless, for the wise men, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In the days that come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man, too, must die. So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to one who comes after me, and who, knows, and who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the work in which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? 
all his days, his works and pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. The second and slightly shorter reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. I've lucked in today. And can be found on page 725 of the Church Bibles. The second reading, Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31, and um, page uh, 729 of your Pew Bibles, I think. I can remember back to that point. Okay. Why do you say, O Jacob, and why complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray before we talk. Father, just pray that you would uh, guide me as I talk. Lord, just pray that you'd open spiritual eyes and hearts to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Okay. Jit asked me to speak about the Middle Ages. Some of you will automatically turn off because you don't think you're middle-aged. Give me five minutes. And then after that, you can switch off if you don't think you're really in that bracket. Uh, It was a bit of a backhanded compliment, wasn't it? He either thought, Josh, you've been there, seen there, done it, Uh, or uh, you're experiencing it. I'll leave you to guess which is which, okay? We had two readings. Helen rightly commented. One's quite long. I I wonder if you just think, what was the most repeated word in that reading? Hey, you got it. Hey, meaningless. I wonder after seven weeks of electioneering, and if you voted for any political party or none, Does that leave you thinking life is meaningless? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 
But life sometimes, with its trials and tribulations, or even with its joys and its wealth, if you've got it, can at times feel meaningless. It can. It's quite interesting. You may have missed verse 25 of that reading. It says this, For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? The him, of course, is God. The second reading from Isaiah talks about it in a national context. Hey, Britain, has he forgotten you? Has he disregarded your cause, whatever that cause is? They who wait on the Lord will renew their strength with wings like eagles. Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter if you're young, middle-aged, old, whatever you think that is. That's the bottom line. Uh, Jit last week talked about, if you remember, uh, who you build your life on. That's the same truth today. It's not what. It's who. Jesus gave the best political tweet of all time. There is one subtle difference between Jesus and any politician on the face of this earth. Jesus can deliver. Jesus can deliver. He doesn't need anybody else to deliver. He doesn't need a political party. He can do it himself. This is what he says. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe that? Regardless of your age, I'm nearly 62 and I would testify to that. I would testify to that. He brings life. In the bad times and in the good times, he brings life when you even forget about him. He brings life into eternity. And that's the starting point. That is the starting point. If you haven't got that, then life is meaningless. It is. Or someday, if you don't already know it, you're going to wake up and discover it. That's the starting point. Hey, you know, the Oxford English Dictionary says, pretty glibly, middle age is the time between young adulthood and old age. Okay, woo-boo. Yeah, Winston Churchill became Prime Minister for the second time in this country when he was 77 years old. Was he middle-aged? Hey. If you know your Bible, how middle-aged was Noah when he built the ark? Hey, whether you take it literally or not, it tells us he was at least several hundred years old. Okay. But of course, there is a middle age. We all do grow older. We get frailer. Uh, in middle age, hey, is it when we stop seeing our potential and we start seeing limitations do we see a sliding down towards the grave? 
Hey, the Bible has got something to say about that too. It says, uh, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is middle age a state of mind? How middle-aged are you in your Christian walk? Do you still see potential? Because if you do, you're not middle-aged. You're not old either. And believe me, that's what God wants you to see. Potential. You all have it. Doesn't matter what age you are. You do. Perhaps you prefer middle-aged as when you face two temptations, you choose the one that gets you home by nine o'clock. Or is it when a doctor tells you to slow down rather than a policeman? I don't know. But there are certainly some challenges that perhaps sharpen at different stages of life. But you know, the challenges at root are the same. The Bible doesn't quite explicitly say that, this, but in Ephesians chapter 2, it almost does, talks about the challenges are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And for a Christian, those challenges remain. Perhaps the reality of a Christian walk and discipleship are, though, how do we get the best out of our lives for God. How do we live out the truths of the first and two great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do as Christians walking through those? So I, I'm going to go through a few things. You know, these apply to whatever age you are. But as I say, some of them might just appear more apparent to those of you, those of us, who are middle-aged. I, I, I didn't go on to tell you that the Oxford Dictionary does say that normally, note the word, normally, not exclusively, applies to those between the ages of 30 and 65. I'm still middle-aged, would be. Sorry, Jet. Hey. Now, it, it, that doesn't matter. These basic challenges and these things remain. Here, here's the first one. Here's the first one. Everything flows out of it. Everything. Your relationship with God. I've already said it. Matthew's gospel says, Jesus' words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It is vital. It's a non-negotiable for any Christian. You need to spend time with God. There's no legalism about how long. That's down to you. If you love someone, you want to spend time with them. I'm sure you've heard that before. But isn't it true? Isn't it true? You've got to make the time. That's quite hard if you're juggling work, children. If you're juggling hospital appointments, if you're juggling school life, doesn't matter. There will always be things that are 
you don't have the time. Cut it short. Catch it up. You need to spend time with God. Non-negotiable. If you want a relationship, if you want to have meaning in your life, spend time with him. It is a non-negotiable. Do yourselves a favour. Spend time with other Christians. Hey, you're doing that this morning. I'm not saying you don't spend time only with Christians, but spend time with Christians. Since Ruth, my wife, and I were married, we've lived in 12 homes. We have lived once in those 12 years in our homeland with close family down the road from us. The rest of the time, we've not lived close to family. There's been sea of some description between us. But you know what? Jesus redefined family. Jesus said... Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and mother. You have a Christian family. Do you take that seriously? Is it, hello, how are you? Cheerio as you walk out those doors. Sometimes it might be like that. Hey, I've been like that sometimes. But you have a Christian family. I would say that for Ruth and I, if at times we hadn't been part of a Christian family, normally church-based, life would have been a heck of a lot harder. A heck of a lot harder. Because that is all, some places, we did have. Do yourselves a favour. Get to know your Christian family. It does take away some of the pressures. You've lots of other relationships in your life. Lots. If you're a parent, you've kids. If you've kids, your parents. And you know, you can be a middle-aged kid. Okay. Uh, many of us are. I mean, hey, uh, my parents are now gone. But that was one of the strains and stresses of middle age. How do you look after parents who are getting older? Some of us face that. Some of you may be facing that. And that can be just as hard as bringing up children. And you won't do that unless, you won't do it well unless somewhere God is involved. Because it's tiring, it's frustrating, and you need God in it. You need God in it. How do you get on with other people? Hey, we've just had an election. You all will have had different views. I'm not going to tell you what my views are. I have perhaps one or two politicians that I find it very, very difficult to relate to. But you know what? You've got to love people. I find it very difficult to pray for one or two politicians. But I have tried to. And it just helps get life in perspective. Because they bear the maker's mark just as I do, just as you do. Treat people with respect. You mightn't like them, but you know what? You can love them. You might disagree with them, and that's okay. But you can love them. 
You know, I'm going to read a little bit out of the message translation of a passage. You may have heard this before, but this is the core of Christian discipleship once you start walking with the Lord. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame, i.e. meet with other Christians, spend time with God. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. He's the hope. Jesus. He's the hope. Cheerfully expectant, alert servants of the master. If you're a Christian, someday there will be no United Kingdom, but there is going to be the kingdom. Remember, that's your first loyalty. Don't quit in hard times. Have you felt like quitting? I have at times. Hey God, why is this happening? Maybe during a time of bereavement. It may be struggles in a marriage. It may be problems at work. It may be as you do grow older and you do think, hey, I've spent my life doing this and what's it all been for? It may be. But Jesus says, don't give up. I'm with you. I'm with you. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Something very simple. We can all be hospitable. You don't have to be rich or well off. It's all about making time for people. And in the busyness of life, especially if you are trying to buy a house, move house, move jobs, raise kids, look after aging parents, keep a husband happy, keep a wife happy, keep friends happy, doing it all, you know, that can get squeezed out. Make people a priority. Make people a priority. Make God the first priority. Make people your second priority. Life is fuller and richer if you do. You can bring disappointment because people will let you down. But hey, love people. Love people because Jesus does. Bless your enemies, no cursing onto your breath. Oh, that our politicians would learn that. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Hey, Christians can laugh. Don't go around with a solemn face. Take and experience moments of joy. You know, hey, it says in Scripture, Jesus was a man of sorrows, but he also had joy. Do you remember that wedding at Canaan in Galilee? He went to it. He turned the water into wine. And you know what? And I'm sorry if this offends anybody. In my homeland, I'd be excommunicated in some churches for saying this. They didn't know how to make non-alcoholic wine. But Jesus made the best wine. And he just didn't make a bit of it. He made 
gallons of it. They must have had a whooping wedding. A whooping wedding. Have any of you ever been to a Jewish wedding? I haven't. I've seen pictures of them. They are joyous, wonderful, dancing, laughing occasions. And I'm absolutely positive Jesus did just that. Enjoy God's blessings. They are many, and they are there for us. You know, uh, someone once pointed out that recreation means recreate or renew. God allows us time to be renewed and to grow in our faith. In the book of James in the Bible, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Fun and entertainment are gifts of God, given so that we can be closer to him. We should remember it when we're planning recreation and fun, and we should thank God for it. It doesn't mean we don't have to be discerning, but we can enjoy life. God invented it. He's given it, gives it. Smile. Doesn't matter what age you are. Older people, younger people, middle-aged people, hey, smile. Enjoy the simple things, if that's all that you can do. Enjoy a nice slice of fresh bread and butter, a glass of good wine. Enjoy a bit of sun in your backs. Enjoy fish and chips. Enjoy being with a friend. Enjoy kids. Enjoy a good book. Enjoy God. He wants you to take the time to, it, to do it. Don't get too stressed. Easy to say, and my wife sitting there will tell you, yes, I do get stressed. Uh, probably, as I've got older, maybe a little bit more stressed. Again, you know, hey, they're not just words. It comes back to joy. It says... You know, Paul says, and he says this while he's in prison, while he's chained up. He says, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, and he is. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, and that's the secret, the peace of God, Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He could say that while he was chained up in prison. And I know it doesn't make everything just right. If you're short of cash and you have to pay the next bills, eh, if you're sick. But you know, God knows that. He loves you and he's there with you and he can give you peace. And you know what? Try and change your perspective. I forget to change mine sometimes. Hey, uh, you know, there was once a young lad who fell down a flight of stairs. He was 17 years old. He was totally and utterly crippled. His back had been crushed. He'd broken his back. And he was interviewed in Coventry Cathedral. And they said, the interviewer said, how do you think God's fair? And he said, oh, God is fair. He's got all eternity to make it up to me. Hey, I want that perspective. I don't always have it, but I want it. Paul had it. Paul knew this. 
can be a fantastic, beautiful, wonderful drop in the ocean. But that's what it is. It is a drop in the ocean of eternity. It's a good time to prepare for eternity. We have to prepare for eternity. But, you know, this is, this is just the start of a much, much, much more wonderful story. Get life in perspective. Get it in perspective. It does help when things are getting in top of you. Okay. You still will get stressed from time to time. I promise you. Hey, guard your thoughts and your heart. It's very easy in this day and age with modern technology and everything we see and everything that's happening in the world uh, to see things and to be drawn into things that aren't good. And we know that. We know that. It's never been easier. Never been easier. We need to guard our hearts. We need to be careful and discerning about what we let into our homes, what we watch, what we see. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's part of it too. Be discerning. Be discerning. Be careful. Don't get too self-absorbed or look outward. Look outward rather. Don't get too self-absorbed. Okay. Try and serve. That's hard. Especially if you're middle-aged, there'll be 101 times in your calls on your time. But try and look outwards. Try and serve. Hey, Scripture makes it clear. Our attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay. Serve. Hey, that's not easy. That costs. Costs time. Costs effort. Can cost money. And we've already said it, just don't get too absorbed with your career and your work and your job. Hey, don't go all out, and none of us probably do, and I don't think most people do at least initially, but money, which isn't a bad thing, but we can allow it to get a grasp and hold on us. You know what the best anecdote to that is? And it's hard, give some away. Give some away. You know, someday, whatever your profession, you're going to walk out a door. My profession, before the one I'm currently in, I was in for nearly 33 years, and I've seen men, when they leave that, disintegrate because they've given their life to it. And that's all they've given their life to. They've lost their families. They've lost everything. And when they stop working, life was meaningless. Don't, don't be like that. God first, people second. And it is easy to go that way. Stay with God. Stay with people.
I'm going to finish now. You'll all be pleased with that. I kind of start, I kind of finish rather, nearly where I started, which is coming back to the essential. It's not what, it's who. You all know who it is. The question is, the question for me, am I prepared to spend the time and to do what he asks of me? He's still going to love me, you see, if I don't. You know, hey, Lord, why are you so gracious? But if you weren't, I wouldn't be here. Neither would you. So just think about this. This is who it's all about. We look at the sun and we see the God who can't be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and it finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and he holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and he leads the resurrection prayed. He's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. Towering above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him. Without crying. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People, things, animals, atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. That's who. Are you going to follow him?